We used to have a preacher here several years ago that when he would get up, sometime before he would start his lesson, he would say, now this lesson is for everyone in this auditorium, starting from right back here and going all the way to the back. In other words, I'm preaching to myself too. In Ecclesiastes 12, I mean, excuse me, in Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14, Solomon said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Turn over to the New Testament in 1 John chapter 5, 1 through 5, we read this. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? From these two passages, we can kind of see the theme of the Bible in a nutshell. We understand who God is. He is the creator. We are his creation. As part of his creation, it is our duty and our honor to love and serve him, or to put it in layman's terms, to be a Christian. Now, the Christian life is based on three things. It's based on faith, believing and trusting in everything that God has said, It's based on obedience, doing everything we can to let Jesus live in us. And it is based on endurance. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of righteousness. Revelation 2 and verse 10. What does it mean to be a Christian, or what does a Christian look like? Paul gave us some ideas with some of these passages. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Ephesians 1, excuse me, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. For, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1, 21. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2, 20. We understand what is required of us. We are to look like Christ. We are to act like Christ. However, when we see Christ's life, we see the the perfect sinless life that Christ lived, sometimes we fall short, we get discouraged, we feel inadequate. Maybe that's why the Lord in his infinite wisdom allowed the Hebrew writer in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, which we know as the hall of fame of the faithful, to list these people's name. Names like Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, Samuel, and many others. Now all these people had two things in common, faith, 
In fact, the word faith is mentioned 25 times in this chapter. I mean, in, yes, in this chapter alone. And another thing they had in common, they all sinned. Some of them committed what we call grievous sins. Now, this should give us hope. Why? Why would this give us hope? Because we can look at their lives. We know that they were humans just like we are. We know that they sinned. And yet, here we see their names mentioned in the Hall of Fame of the Faithful. There are numerous other examples in the Bible of people who were deemed faithful, yet we can see where they were guilty of sin. Paul was such a person, and one that we will look at tonight, Peter. Now here's some facts about Peter. Peter is also known as Simon, or Simon Peter, or Cephas, which means stone. Peter's father's name was Jonah, John 1, 40-42. His brother was named Andrew, and they were fishermen, Mark 1, 16. Matthew 8, 13 and 14 tells us he was married because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 5 tells us he took his wife on missionary journeys. John 1, 35-40 tells us he was a disciple of John before he was called by Jesus. Mark 1, 16-18 tells us that he, along with Andrew, was the first to be called as an apostle. Mark 5, 37, Luke 8, 51, Matthew 17, 1 and 2, Matthew 26, 37, Mark 14, 33, and Luke 22, 8 shows us that he was one of Jesus' inner circle of friends along with James and John. 1 Peter 5, 1 tells us he was an, an elder in the church. Let's look at some low points or some mistakes that Peter made in his life. He put Jesus on the same level with Moses and Elijah, Matthew 17, 3 and 4. He lost sight of Jesus and began to sink in the sea, Matthew 14, 30. He wanted to refuse to let Jesus wash his feet, John 13, verse 8. He rebuked Jesus when Jesus said that he had to suffer and die, Matthew 16, 22 and 23. He declared to Jesus that he would never deny him, even to the point of death, Matthew 26, 33. He cut off the ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant, John 18, verse 10. He denied knowing Jesus even to the point of cursing, Matthew 26, verse 74. When Jesus was arrested, he forsook him and fled, Mark 14, 50, along with all the other disciples. He questioned Jesus about something that was not his concern, John 21, 20, and 21. He argued with God about eating certain animals, Acts 10, 13 through 16. And he refused to eat with the Gentiles in Antioch and was rebuked by Paul, Galatians 2, 11, and 12. It's quite a list of things that Peter didn't do right or some mistakes that he made are things that he should not have done. That being said, look at some things, some highlights of his life or some things that he did right. After fishing all night with no results, he cast out his nets just because Jesus told him to. Luke 5, 4 and 5. When called, he left his nets and immediately followed Jesus. Matthew 4, 19. 
When he saw Jesus, he got out of the boat and walked on the water. Matthew 14, 28 and 29. Yes, he started to sink, as we mentioned earlier, but he was the only one that got out of the boat. Upon hearing the reason for the foot washing, he asked Jesus to not only wash his feet, but his hands and his head. John 13, verses 8 and 9. He declared that Jesus was the Son of the living God. Matthew 16, 13 through 16. And that confession was the basis for which the church is established. He went into Jesus' tomb when John wouldn't go. John 20 and verse 6. After Jesus' resurrection, when he appeared to them while fishing, Peter did not wait for the boat ride to go back to the shore. He jumped into the sea and swam to the shore. John 21, 6 and 7. He preached the first gospel sermon, Acts 2, 14 and following. He healed a lame man and preached another sermon, Acts 3, 11 and following. He preached boldly even after being arrested, put in prison, and threatened, Acts 4, 1 and following. After being commanded by the Sanhedrin to not speak or teach in the name of Jesus, he replied with John, We cannot but speak of the things we have seen and heard, Acts 4, verse 20. He called out Ananias and Sapphira for lying to God, Acts 5, 1 through 10. He healed many people, Acts 5, 14 through 16. He kept on preaching even after being beaten and then rejoiced in the fact, Acts 20, Acts 5, 40 through 42. He healed Aeneas and Lydda in the name of Jesus, Acts 9, 32 through 34. He raised Tabitha, or Dorcas, from the dead in Joppa, Acts 9, 36 through 41. He preached the gospel to the first Gentile, who was Cornelius, Acts 10, 34 through 48. He defended preaching to the Gentiles, Acts 11, 4 through 18. And then he defended preaching to the Gentiles again at the Jerusalem Council, Acts 15, 7 through 11. We can see from all these things that Peter was very active. Some of the things or some of his actions were good. Some of them were not so good. What happened to Peter? What, what were the results of his life? As already stated, he became an elder in the church. Aided by the Holy Spirit, he penned First and Second Peter. It's not in the Bible, but history tells us that he lived roughly 30 more years after Christ died. So he died somewhere around A.D. 64. He was sentenced by Nero to die in Rome. Tradition tells us he was crucified on an inverted cross because he did not feel worthy to die in the same manner that Jesus did because he had denied him. In John 21, 15 through 17, three times Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. Each time Peter affirmed that he did love Jesus. Each time he would say, Lord, you know that I love you. The third time, Peter was somewhat aggravated. Each time Peter would re reply, Jesus would reply, feed my sheep. Jesus was commissioning Peter for the man and the servant in the church that he would someday be. Most likely, this is one of those cases or those situations where at the time, what is happening or being said doesn't really make a lot of sense, but later it becomes crystal clear. Jesus was making sure that Peter knew what was expected of him. Right after this, Jesus continued on in verses 18 and 19 of that same chapter. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Most scholars agree that Jesus is foretelling of Peter's death on a cross. Obviously, the follow me here is not again the Lord telling Peter to be his disciple. It would appear that Jesus is saying that Peter would die in the same manner that he had. It confirms that Peter had been restored and forgiven of any wrongs that he had committed. We can be sure that even though Peter made many mistakes, as all humans do, he was dedicated to the Lord and his cause. So how do we relate Peter to us, or how do we relate to Peter? If we don't apply what we have learned about Peter, then all we have are a bunch of interesting facts. Knowledge without application and use is virtually useless. It would seem that Peter's worst trait, his brashness, his impulsiveness, his quick to action, might also be his best trait. Explain. There was no hesitation with Peter. He saw the situation and reacted to it. You did not have to wonder what was on Peter's mind. Although sometimes wrong in his actions, his love for Jesus was genuine. He didn't just talk, he acted. He was not one to sit back and wait. Yes, these traits often put Peter in a bad position, so how can these also be good traits? Let's suppose that every one of us at Forest Park were like Peter, outspoken, energetic, quick to action. What, would our Bible classes be fuller? I think so. Would our worship services be fuller? I think so. Would the contribution be more? I think so. What would happen if it was announced there was a sign-up sheet for door knocking, yard work, new teachers, clean the building, visit the sick, visit a shut-in or someone who needs encouragement, to greet visitors, conduct Bible, conduct Bible studies, help someone move, giving someone a ride, writing sympathy or encouraging cards, hosting get-togethers, or anything else that you can think of. We would need more paper for all the names. What about our impact groups? If we were all like Peter, nobody would ask, what are we doing? Who has a plan? What's going on? Where are we meeting? Who is the leader? Everyone would be involved. Everyone would be getting to know everybody else, which is the purpose of these impact groups. Nobody would be or feel left out. We would have to take turns in order to get to everyone's ideas. Our calendars would be filled for years in advance. We would look, feel, and act like a big family, just what the Lord designed the church to be. Now, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order. The key words there are be done. If we are not doing anything, it doesn't matter if we're doing it in order or not. James 1, says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. The point is, nobody had to beg or tell Peter to do something. He did it on his own. What about us? 
Here's a personal question. If everyone at Forest Park acted and participated just like me, what would this congregation look like? Think about it. Now, we're not talking about making things chaotic. We can't all be talking and doing at the same time. But the point is, like Peter, we need to have that unquenchable, insatiable, burning desire to serve the Lord. And yes, we will make mistakes just like Peter did. In Luke twenty-two sixty-one, the Bible reads, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Verse 62, the very next verse, so Peter went out and wept bitterly. Don't you know that Peter wished he could back up in time a few hours? How many times do you suppose that Peter asked for forgiveness for that? No doubt the look on Jesus' face haunted Peter for the rest of his life. Most assuredly, it motivated him in all his efforts to proclaim Christ, his plan for salvation, and his eventual but certain return. Let's bring it home. What about us? When we look into God's Word and we see the face of Jesus in our mind's eye, hanging on the cross for our sins, what happens? How does that make us feel? Are we humbled? Are we shamed? Are we filled with gratitude? Are we on fire for the cause of Christ? Or are we ho-hum or so what? That's the question each one of us can only answer for ourselves. Isn't it a comforting thought knowing that Jesus has paid our debt? Isn't it comforting to know that God will forgive us of anything if we repent and confess our sin? Isn't it comforting that God has planned for our eternity? Isn't it comforting knowing we have brothers and sisters who really care about us? Isn't it comforting knowing that this life with so many troubles is not all there is? No doubt Peter had his faults. At one point, Jesus even called him Satan, Matthew 16, 23. Yet we know that Peter went on to be a great pillar in the church and a great example of encouragement for us. Now, we can't all be exactly like Peter. We all have different personalities. We think differently. We react differently. But I feel certain we can all be more like him than we are. We can all do more for Jesus. We can all serve more. We can forgive more. We can love more. Remember, our goal is to let Jesus live in us, to let others see that because of Jesus, we are different. Maybe there is somebody who wants to be more like Peter in the way he would without hesitation or speak in the name of Jesus. Maybe there is someone here who feels they need to be more active in the church. Or maybe someone who has disappointed or offended a brother or a sister. Maybe there is someone who has been negligent in their attendance for no good reason. Maybe there is someone who has never but feels the need to be a Christian. If there is any way in which we can help you, would you please come now as together we stand and sing.